Let us pray. God, now we have read your word and heard it. We pray now you would add to it the blessing and power of your Holy Spirit that we might receive it and it might be the word of life to those who hear and believe today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At the heart of the Reformed tradition in which we are a part is salvation by grace through faith. Understanding that God's grace is the very baseline, the foundation on which everything else is built. That's what we're going to do over the next six or seven weeks here. On Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights, we're going to double down on grace and really dive into it to understand and receive what it means to have the grace of God in our lives and to share that grace with the world around us. So we'll have Sunday morning component and a Wednesday evening component, and I hope you'll prioritize both of those. But in between those moments in our week, I hope you will take the grace challenge. You've seen these viral challenges, haven't you? Remember years ago, maybe the most famous one, probably 10 years ago, the ice bucket challenge? Remember the ice bucket challenge? Who did the ice bucket challenge back in the day? This was to, to gain uh, notoriety and funds for research against ALS, right? So people would fill up a bucket full of ice water and dump it on themselves, record it, put it on social media, and pass it on to others. It went viral. It went huge. Now, through the years, there have been many other challenges along the way, far less noble than that one. One of the most recent you might have seen as well was called the Milk Crate Challenge. Did anyone see the Milk Crate Challenge on TikTok, right? These blessed children of God would stack up milk crates as high as they could and then in their infinite wisdom try to walk over these milk crates until they were so high that they fell. Brilliant, right? In fact, so many people were getting hurt doing this that TikTok banned it from their platform because so many people were going to the hospital. The grace challenge is not that dangerous, I don't believe. In fact, it might even be healing. As we reflect on God's grace in our lives, can we daily find a place to extend that grace to someone else? Some stranger maybe that we meet along the way, or someone in our own family or in our office or at our school, that for no other reason than God has been good to us, we will be good to them. The grace challenge between our Sundays and our Wednesdays. That's how grace works. This week, as we're beginning the study of Ephesians, there are a couple of pieces of context that I want us to remember about this letter from Paul. One is that everybody in this church at Ephesus was a first-generation Christian. There were no hand-me-down faiths in this place. They had, they had all converted from some other religion, whether it's Judaism or one of the pagan religions of the Mediterranean world at the time. And they were trying to figure this thing out. How do we follow Jesus? How do we become the family of God together when we're from such disparate backgrounds? And that's what I love about the letters of the New Testament, is that they're trying to figure it out. They're experimenting, but they're building it all on the truth of what they know in Jesus Christ. That's one thing that's important. The other is to remember, and this is a hard one for us to get our minds around sometimes, the church in Ephesus was a tiny minority in a religious sense in that city. Ephesus was a fantastic city. 
It had all kinds of religion. In fact, there was a temple there that was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world to Artemis, the fertility goddess. And people would come from all over the Mediterranean world to visit this place as a sort of pilgrimage. It was a great city of trade. It had all the trappings of a great city of that time. But the church of Ephesus was a small home church in all likelihood. Not a lot of influence, not a lot of identity to that point. But this was Paul's beloved church plant in that place. He had a powerful ministry in Ephesus during his visits, and you can read more about that in Acts chapter 19. But what I would like for us to do today is to just take a look at the opening greetings of his letter to the Ephesians. Paul wrote most of the letters in the New Testament. He wrote more than anyone else, certainly. And he began most of his letters in kind of the same way. There's sort of a theme and variation here on this phrase, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just that he used it in Ephesians, but also Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon, all begin with sort of a theme and variation on grace and peace to you in some way. Why does he use that greeting? What does it, what does it say about what he is giving in this place? Was it simply a matter of form or rote? Or was Paul trying to give some greater insight into the God on whom, whose behalf he was greeting them? You'll see during the next few weeks that grace and peace are especially strong themes in Ephesians, primarily because they are strong reflections of the God of whom Paul writes, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To know God is to know, to know God in Jesus Christ is to know grace and peace in a proper sense. For without understanding grace and peace, we don't understand the God of Scripture. Grace and peace to you. In a world of religion that says work to keep God from being angry at you, work to keep the gods from smiting you, there is a greeting of grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the beginning of a letter to a church in need, it makes a difference, doesn't it? It's, better, it's a better greeting than to whom it may concern. And in our world where conflict seems to reign and violence and anxiety are the rules of our day, does it not say something about our God that we would greet one another with grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Turn to somebody next to you and say grace and peace to you. Those are gifts that we could use today. Grace is the foundational element for understanding our relationship with God, understanding that everything we have from birth till eternal life and everything in between is a gift from God. To talk about grace is to understand that. We didn't earn any of it because of God's great love any more than we earned the sunset that we saw yesterday. God chose to give us every good and perfect gift he shaped us in our mother's wombs before we ever had a choice in the matter. God woke us up this morning. He opened our eyes. He filled our lungs with breath that we might sing to him. 
He called us to his house today as his children and part of his family by his grace. The good news of Jesus is that it's all about grace. When Paul is talking about the gospel in Romans chapter 5, he says that God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we had gotten our act together, not when we had come to our senses, but while we were still sinners, before any of us asked for it, Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins to give us something better than we could ever merit on our best day. In this opening salvo from Ephesians, Paul elaborates on the grace that we have been given in Christ, the blessings that he gives us. If you hear the verbs that are used in the descriptions of what we have in Christ, we have an understanding of God's grace. Paul writes that every spiritual blessing comes not because of our hard work, or because we behave like good little boys and good little girls, that we have more checks than minuses on our report cards in the Spirit, but that every spiritual blessing comes to us in Christ by grace. Being chosen in adoption by God, there is no greater picture of grace than that God would choose to be our Father in heaven. It tells us He has freely bestowed redemption through Christ's blood, the forgiveness of our sins, they all come, all of these gifts, as unmerited gifts from God here in the opening greeting of Ephesians chapter 1. God did that, and that is grace. Understanding what God has done already. In a world where we're told that there are no free lunches, God's opened up the cafeteria of everything for us. And this grace, when we get it, when we really start to get what grace is and who the God is who defines what grace is, it changes our lives. The Holy Spirit tends to liberate the spirits of others by this understanding of grace. A missionary friend of mine, retired missionary now from Peru, used to talk about the way that when they, when they were working with indigenous people in remote villages, they were converting to Christ from animistic religions, right? So their, their understanding of the world, you didn't have to convince them that there were spirits everywhere. And they said they lived in such fear in these villages because the people who ran the villages were the witch doctors who had control and communication with these spirits, Right? And so they control people by fear. You either give to this or you do this or else the spirits will converge on you. The witch doctor will send them on you. And when people came to Christ, there was this sense of liberation because they knew that they now knew the greatest spirit of all. And they need not fear the evil spirits around them. There's a freedom and a liberation that happens when you know the greatest spirit of all, the one who has set us free in Christ. Grace gives us freedom and peace. It frees us also from the performance complex that so many of us live under in our lives, that we have to live up to a standard that God didn't set, but that we might have to keep the God of our imagination from being angry with us. We know plenty of people like that, don't we? There are probably plenty of us in the room this morning 
who do that from time to time. We believe a gospel that is actually ultimately dependent upon us rather than upon the grace of God. And it's a false gospel. For the only good news is what Christ has already done. Pictures of grace bring life to our world in color. One of my favorites that I read about a couple of years ago is Bob Blackley, who lives in Winston-Salem. And every year on his birthday, he stands on the corner of Silas Creek Parkway and Peters Creek Parkway with a sign that says, I have a home, I have a job, could you use an extra $5? He's a retired special needs teacher. And on his birthday, he would withdraw $750 in $5 bills and stand on that corner and distribute $5 at a time to people as they came by. As he said, who couldn't use an extra $5? Some people ignored him. Other people circled around when they found out he was serious. One man returned and handed him a store-bought birthday card that read, happy birthday, Bobby, and gave him $3 change. The police didn't know what to do. They'd never seen anything like this, so they asked him to please stay out of traffic at least so he wouldn't get hurt. It took him over three hours to give away $750, $5 at a time. The beauty of it is it runs in his family with his wife, Carol. They spent her birthday with their eight-year-old grandson giving away Aldi gift cards on Peters Creek Parkway. Blackley said that there's a bit of competitiveness between him and his wife. He said, yeah, I think on her birthday she did $700, so on my birthday I had to do $750. They each provide for the other in their giving ways. And so many people, he says, turned around and said, why do you do this? He said, it's my birthday. You'll get there one day. To me, that's a beautiful picture of understanding grace. Of understanding that we have been given so much in Christ. And the beauty of our lives is not in just receiving these blessings and gifts, but in sharing those with other people who are completely surprised by it. Who are completely taken off guard who are not expecting it in any way to be blessed at the corner of Silas Creek and Peters Creek Parkway by this crazy guy handing out $5 bills. Why would you do it? Because I think you understand grace. You understand what God has already done for us and how that changes us. Understanding the gift that is this life transforms us to embrace the fact that life is a gift and it is a good one and it is meant to be shared with those around us. So when we know how much we have received, we can in turn have gracious hearts toward others. More than just the financial piece that we see here with Bob Backley, it's critical also to understanding in spiritual matters like forgiveness, like judgmentalness, like other things that will be emphasized in the coming weeks, particularly on Wednesday nights. When we think about the grace we have received, that grace must flow through us as unmerited favor to others as well, especially when it's hard. 
Have we been set free by the gift of Jesus dying on the cross for us? Have we really received that as a gift of grace and not of something that we have worked toward? Or have we been set free just to work harder and try to make God not mad at us? It makes a difference. It makes a difference in what you believe about God and what we understand him to be. If I know that it is only by amazing grace that a wretch like me can be saved, and I really believe that about myself, I can have much greater patience and forgiveness with the other wretches around me. And that's not a judgmental statement. It's a fact that we are all standing on level ground in the eyes of God. Amazing grace is what each of us needs. If I know that to be true, I can be liberated. Liberated from the self inside me that's trying to earn God's love all the time or the self inside of me that's keeping score from that person next to me walking this road. We need liberation from both. Understanding grace leads to freedom and to peace. Peace with God because our debt is settled in Jesus Christ. I grew up in West Palm Beach, Florida in a deeply Presbyterian family and church. Most of you know that. But I also grew up going to a, uh, to a Christian school that was pretty fundamentalist in its understanding. I mean, Jesus spoke King James English. Did you know that? But I'm very grateful for those people in both places that taught me so much about honoring the word of God and living the love of Christ. My problem at school was we would have chapel every week and there were people that would come through uh, from Christian colleges or from other ministries and every one of them had an amazing testimony, right? They'd been delivered from alcohol and drugs and sex and everything else and been raised up from their sickbed and everything else. And I thought, man, I'm so boring. Why can't I have a great story? And it really was kind of an insecurity for me. But it was when we had a lay renewal at our church when I was in high school, I think, that, that a woman was giving her testimony in that place. And she said this. She said, I don't remember being born as a baby. And yet all these years later, here I stand before you as evidence that it happened. She said, nor do I remember being born as a child of God. But nevertheless, here I stand before you all these years later as evidence that it happened. That's grace. And the peace that comes from that was a balm for my soul as a high schooler to understand I didn't have to have a wild, crazy conversion story but that I, always, I knew that I'd always been loved by God, that I'd been saved in Christ, and that was enough. In fact, that's the whole story of grace. Grace and peace. We need peace. So many people in the world around us think that God is mad at them, and a lot of them think it because the church has told them that God is mad at them. What if we were known as the people of grace and peace, the followers of Jesus? 
Christian greeting is grace and peace to you. In a world where it seems all of the news is war in Afghanistan and terrorism around the world, division within our own country, we proclaim peace, the peace and grace of God, our Father. In our personal lives, where division and anxiety and violence seem to be the rules of our day, we proclaim grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus himself came to be about this work. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul writes about the ministry of reconciliation which Jesus had, and that is the ministry that he has given to us. What is the ministry of reconciliation except that of grace and peace? The ones who have received grace and peace from God, being those who share that grace and peace with the world around us. Thanks be to God for his gift. And so, friends, the greeting of Paul's letter here gives us good reminders of what we have received and what we have to share. May we say it aloud together, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. And may we be those who understand at a deeper level than we ever have before all that we have received in Christ from that place and all the riches that he has given us to share so that others might come to him as well by his grace. Let us pray. And so, Lord God, today we do give you thanks for your grace. For that quality and character within yourself that caused you to create this world out of nothing and call us from nothing to being your children. To send your own son to those who in no way deserved it. That he would sacrifice his life for ours. We thank you, God, for your grace. The multitude of graces that you shower on us every day, give us memory in each morning and evening, Lord to say thank you to you. And Lord, as you have poured your grace upon us, each one here in the room and those watching from home, we pray that you would compel us to share that grace and peace with our neighbors, with our families, with our classmates, with our co-workers. God, open those doors that we might be the people of grace and peace because of all you have done for us, our Father in heaven and our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.